When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello! And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take on your questions on leg crossing, estate divisions, saying Happy New Year, and serving guests. Plus a postscript segment from Emily Post herself on Babies, Babies, Babies. Coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. Hey! Ho! Whoa! Does our script say holy busy Batman? Holy busy Batman? What is it that Robin says all the time? Like, holy something Batman? Anyway, I like it. I'm just busy. We are busy. It's that I feel thing. I it. mean, remember there was that whole thing about, oh, don't say I'm busy. It's so lofty. It's so, oh, I'm so important. I'm so busy. But man, I feel really busy lately. Like every day, going till the end of the day and then waking up and starting again. It's just, I got a new roommate. You're about to get a new baby. I mean, <laughs> Slight difference there, but you know what I mean? (laughs) I know, I feel it. I don't even want to call it a grind because that's a little bit like saying you're busy, but it does feel like the new year is on and we're into that day to day. And I'll tell you, for me personally, you talk about the new roommate coming. Definitely, I've been so focused on the coming baby, but we're sort of, I don't want to say we're ready. I'm looking around for wood to knock on, (laughs) but we've cleared that holiday hurdle. We're most of the way through the transition for this show. We're past the due date and we're kind of waiting. Just waiting. It's delicious. Last night I, I, I turned to Pooch and I said, you know, it's kind of quiet in the house right now. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> and let's enjoy this moment. Let's just notice this and, and and really appreciate it in every one of these that we get for the next couple of days. Right? Oh, my goodness. Um, aside from the quiet, though, y'all had a kind of crazy little little Raju went through quite the terror we on did. Sunday night. We had a really scary night the other night. And I threw a note in my mind to mention it on the show because it was definitely a situation that, that was bad and got a little worse because I didn't take it seriously enough. And I'll share with everyone that we had a, a an accident. Pooja and I were gone for the whole day on Sunday. And while we were away, Raju, our little toy poodle, climbed up on the tall breakfast nook stools and then from there managed to get up on the the counter and could have been adorable and funny we call him highly treat motivated except <laughs> <He> really is <laughs> there was a large bar of dark chocolate that was that we had purchased as a gift for my sister-in-law and he ate the whole thing and by the time we got home later in the day it had made him quite sick and I'm used to dogs getting into things. And then puking them up. Exactly. And being okay. Maybe I I grew up with Labradors. I grew up with bigger dogs that Mm -hmm. were notorious. They'd eat whole bags of Hershey's Kisses and just 
iron stomach their way through it. But as the night went on, Raju got sicker and sicker, and it was so clear, and we started to get really worried. He started exhibiting all of the signs of chocolate toxicity, and Mm -hmm. I started researching. I learned very quickly just how toxic in certain doses chocolate can be for dogs. They just don't process it out of their systems the way people do. So well, doesn't the caffeine in it, it like amps up their heart rate? It has there's all kinds of effects that it can have on them. There's caffeine. There's also a compound called theobromine. Yeah. That apparently, yes, they can't process the out one. and it has an effect on them very similar to the effect caffeine has on us. There we go. That's what I'm thinking of. There was a likeness to caffeine. Amplified and they yeah. can't process it out. And what's a danger is their heart rate can get really, really high. And that started, started to happen to, to Roger. We had to take him to the emergency vet. His heart rate was well up over 200 beats per minute and they had to give him medications to slow his heart rate down and just really protect him and I had to get over the hurdle in my own head that chocolate couldn't poison somebody (laughs) but it can poison little dogs so anyway this is a little bit of a public service announcement early in the show I know it's a serious way to start the show it is but I thought I'd mention it because I had a scary night the other night and if I could save anyone that difficulty or that trouble I love to share well and as you know Benny's eaten a ton of chocolate and never exhibited any of the symptoms so you're right it is something you really have to take seriously because you just don't know how your dog is going to react and I think that's Like you said, it was the hurdle you had to get over in your own mind. But when you start seeing the symptoms building up and and really your dog is not well, it's it's absolutely time to head over to the emergency vet. But he is he is well. He is on the mend. He will be fine. He absolutely will. And he made friends. Of course, now he's loved by the emergency staff at the Burlington Emergency Clinic (laughs) and the Waterbury Veterinary Hospital, where he spent the the afternoon on the lap of the chief vet. (laughs) Just absolutely charming her. So. Raju is okay. And in the interest of protecting <laughs> all thinking, our little furry friends out there. Is anybody else thinking here, like, this is Dan talking about his dog when the daughter comes and she's charming and sweet. Guilty as charged. I was like, I think you're going to change a lot as a father. <laughs> But maybe that change already took place when Raju came into your life. <laughs> By degrees, we tear into these things. Yeah, right, right. Oh, well, that's that's our catch-up for this morning, but we should probably get to some questions. Let's do it. All right, maybe so, but it's, it's also complicated. Is it? Let's try it out. On every episode of Awesome Etiquette, we take your questions on how to behave. If you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. We're still in the process of getting that dedicated phone line set up for you. Cousin Lizzie's been working so hard. She really wants to find a, a number that has a really cute word well, or, no, not or even that. We etiquette found word it. associated with yes, it. yes, and Google Voice is like, no, you can't have that. I'm like, but you're telling me it's available. So we're still working on it. We want to get you something that's going to be easy to remember. We do, and we want to hear your voices in the meantime. So definitely, if you want to record a message for us, send it to us by email to that awesome etiquette at emilypost.com email address and we will add it to the show. Awesome Etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. There are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing. From hilarious to heartfelt, tear-jerking to plot-twisting, mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy. Just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. 
What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. So we're starting off the show with a couple of, of shorter, quick questions today. Um, and a lot. some of them have to do with like traditional etiquette or kind of old, old school etiquette. And this first one is called Posture, Ladies, Posture. Our listener writes, hello, I am 46 years old. And when I was growing up and being schooled in etiquette by my very posh grandmother, picture a Hungarian Jackie O. There's a big smiley face after that. Um, I was always taught that ladies never cross their legs. They should only cross at the ankle. I still do this instinctively, but I see many women on TV crossing their legs. Is this rule still a thing or not? Many thanks, Lisa B. in Sheboygan. <laughs> Lisa, I love your question. And it takes me back to the sometimes negative connotations people have with etiquette that come from a, an idea from finishing school. A picture <laughs> of, of people walking around balancing books on their heads. Yes. And that idea comes from, as oftentimes ideas about etiquette do, from a place of original truth, which is that posture is important. It really does matter. It's a part of how we communicate about who we are and communicate with other people. Now, the particular rule of, of posture or gesture in this case that you're talking about of crossing legs for ladies at the ankles instead of the knees I first heard this particular traditional rule in quotation marks of <laughs> etiquette from a choreographer that I worked with who had attended a finishing school and she used to describe it as a dance school where she learned cotillion figures and dances but she would oftentimes mention the little etiquette lessons that were also taught along with those cotillion figures and one of them was that ladies always cross their ankles they never cross their legs at their knees and I'm guessing that this was more discreet yes it absolutely was it was so if you picture your skirt coming to about your knees, let's say, or maybe a little bit lower, when you lift your leg up and cross it over the other one at the knee, as opposed to the ankle, you actually wind up exposing more of your thigh, more of your upper leg. And that was really considered inappropriate. And there's other topics about circulation and then leading to varicose veins and all kinds of things like that. But for the most part, it really had to do with exposing that upper leg. I think it was absolutely a question of modesty. And of course, ideas change about what's appropriate or not, there was a time when even the, a hint of a look it essentially would be a ankle. sock today. Exactly. <laughs> just a tiny bit of exposed ankle underneath the skirt was considered just really risque and revealing and maybe exciting to see. But in today's world where we're used to seeing <laughs> a little bit more of the human body than people were in the Victorian era where some of these etiquettes began, 
I think that it's no longer the same type of prohibition that it was when that rule was originally introduced. Having said that, I do like to acknowledge the importance of posture and that the idea of modesty and being modest and having an idea of presenting oneself in a, if not discreet, but a circumspect way is part of the restraint that I think a lot of people see as good etiquette. And there are are versions of it that happen today. Another point that I like to make about posture when I'm talking to people is that it really doesn't just impact your relationship with others, but it really impacts the way you feel and that that's a big part of etiquette also. We talk about how powerful etiquette can be when used as a tool for self-transformation. Holding yourself accountable to, to good posture isn't just about presenting like a Downton Abbey stiff upper lip, my back never touches the back of the chair presentation, but it can be about really inhabiting yourself fully. And the old dancer in me loves thinking (laughs) about that. And a short form, uh, a Cliff Notes version of the importance of posture is really well described by Amy Cuddy in a TED Talk that she gave and is quite famous. And I'm going to put a link up to it on our social media pages. And I want to invite everyone to come watch one of the best TED Talks that was ever given by Amy Cuddy by joining us on the Awesome Etiquette Facebook page. It's absolutely incredible. And she talks about how posture will transform your mental state, that by assuming particular postures, the attitudes that those postures are often connected to automatically follow. So there's a really powerful thing that can happen by assuming good posture in terms of how it transforms your attitude and feeling. So that Amy Cuddy TED Talk will be available on our awesome Etiquette Facebook page. Please take a look. Lisa B., I hope this answers your question for you. No, it's it's no longer a rule of good etiquette. However, modesty is always going to be somewhat in fashion. This next question is about ethical estate division. How does this work? My older sister has just passed away, and her daughter thinks she gets the diamond since my sister has been wearing it. There are two daughters, my sister and myself, and I have two older brothers. The will of my mother made no reference to the ring and distributes the estate to all equally. Now, I'm assuming here that the ring that the sister was wearing had belonged to the mother. To the mother, right. Whose estate is now to be distributed equally. Well, the older sister is the one that passed. My older sister has just passed away. Yes. So the older sister has passed away, and her estate doesn't designate where this ring that we're assuming came from their mother goes to. So it would be like if my sister passed away, and she had my mother's engagement ring, and I said, I would really like that for my daughters or something, and my sister if she had a daughter, would step up and say, no, that was my mother's ring. I really want that ring. That's how I'm reading. That That's how mm-hmm. I'm interpreting this, that we have a ring had already been being worn by, by daughter number one, and then daughter number one passed, and granddaughter number one is asking for the ring, but s- sister, sibling to the mother that passed is is saying, hey, maybe we don't know where that ring goes. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, this is not a place where etiquette makes a decision. Um, That ring is technically a part of the sister who just passed away's estate. And it's up to her and and the people who are designated to distribute and take care of that estate to figure out what happens to it. And this is why we urge families to do estate planning. 
and to take a look at all sentimental and actual monetary valued items in order to determine how those things get divvied up. I mean, I remember when our family was dealing with, I had multiple grandparents pass away within a short period of time. And they did different things. Some things were were designated to go to specific people. Mm -hmm. Other times, I mean, I remember our whole post side of the family sitting around with photographs of all the items that were in the estate. And everyone went through and kind of marked what their favorites were. And then the four kids sat down together and they drew straws for -hmm. who would go first. And then they did a round robin. So first person to draw the right straw goes first and then says, I want that item. And then the next person says, I want that item. And the next person says, I want that item. And what they did do was when before they went around and drew all the straws and picked, they actually took a moment and said, are there items that only one person is interested in? And Mm -hmm. they automatically distributed those kind of no matter what. These were not things of massive value. You know, we're not talking things that would then mean, okay, so you don't get an extra 50,000 from the estate because you took the boat. You know what I mean? It's like it's it's not like that. This was these were the smaller household items that we're going to get divvied up and sent to people like you and me who now have them at our houses. Or things that had sentimental value. Exactly. like Emotional attachment items. Things you just remember. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, I like your idea of looking for something that's equitable. So the idea of a round robin after drawing straws. I also really like the idea of prioritization, that you can communicate about what's really important, and that can help. Sometimes it's easier than people imagine. Sometimes some people really care about one type of thing. Some people really care about another type of thing. And a little good, clear communication can be enough to make it much easier and to let everybody get closer to the thing that they really want in the end. And bear in mind, too, items don't have to be solely in the possession of one person. We took a a number of items and said, you know, everybody loves these. And so we're going to this person will be the keeper of the the jewel, we'll say. And then uh, if you want to borrow it, you get in touch with that person and you assume responsibility if anything is lost or broken or stolen. But the idea is that you do get to share it. And that might be a way for you to be able to enjoy this ring with both both you getting to wear it because it was your mother's and your niece getting to wear it because it was her grandmother and her mother's. That might be an option here. But mostly, I think you have to first turn to the, the legal issues at hand and, and then turn to the sentimental issues. Ultimately, questions about money and family can be really difficult. But the nice thing is that those finance questions are actually probably going to be pretty clear in some ways. There's going to be a bottom line. There's going to be that will or that that definition of the estate. And when that doesn't play out, then you fall back on that communication. And in this particular case, I would really recommend some communication between you and your niece that – it's going to be important to talk about how you feel about this and what your thoughts are about it because you're going to want to share both of those to reach a resolution to the situation that works for everybody. Even with all the different ways that families work out how to handle all of this, it so often comes back to the letter of the law and what was written in that estate. And I have to be really honest that from the way this question is worded, it sounds like the ring was already given to your sister and her immediate family. And when your mother passed away 
and the ring wasn't considered part of that estate or wasn't um, thought of as part of that estate, or maybe it just quietly wasn't brought up. I don't know what the deal was, Mm -hmm. but somehow that ring wasn't accounted for in that estate. I don't know. Legally, you'd have to talk to a lawyer, but I think it's just in that family at this point. And now sister has passed and her daughter is assuming that the ring will go to her, but it's within their family. Unless you happen to be the executor of the estate or that something is designated to you, I think we're in territory where you have to first see what it is that immediate family is choosing to do with the estate. And this is where family and estate planning becomes both important and also can be so divisive. And I encourage you to look at it as, you know, the chips fall where they do. You can't always control how these things happen. You can't always correct a wrong, especially when the other people who are truly involved have passed on. That makes it incredibly difficult. But I think it would be very hard for us to recommend that you go to the niece and say, that ring should be mine. I do think you could potentially, depending on your relationship with this niece, talk about maybe sharing it the way we had spoken about some items. But engagement rings aren't typically the type of thing that that happens to. I'm assuming this is an engagement ring. We say the, the phrase is she gets the diamond, but I don't know actually if it was an engagement ring. It's, it sounds that way to me as well. And one of the tricky things about engagement rings is there's, you can't divvy it up. No. Unfortunately, there's no way to share this among the daughters in the family. Sometimes they can be cut and you can do new things with them, but that's very rare. But this is not an uncommon um, difficulty or problem. Again, hesitant to even call it a problem, but something to be faced with. And unless there is that thing between you and your sister that really proves that this ring was meant to pass to you on her passing, you want to be really careful about how much you assume that's going to be the case when you talk to your niece, your sister's daughter, about what's going to happen with her ring. The way this question is written, there's a little bit of of ambiguity about the ownership of the ring. And I think really paying careful attention legally to who owned that ring at the time of your sister's passing is going to be helpful to figuring out how to best proceed because it's going to put some real concrete parameters around what you do. And definitely starting from that place can maybe help keep some of the emotions out of it. That's going to be really helpful from escalating into territory that you that you would like to keep this this out of. At the end of the day, try and remember what's more important to you, those family relationships or that ring. Anonymous, we truly hope that as as your family navigates this, that you're all able to um, really honor and have a wonderful sentimental connections to your mother and your sister. We are so sorry for the passing of both of them, but we hope that the most important thing that you could focus on is being able to honor those connections with memory and with family so that you're putting your family first. Well, those are our questions for today. Thank you for the questions that you submitted. You can send your next update, comment, salute, or question to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also reach us on Twitter or Facebook. Just use the hashtag awesomeetiquette so we know you want it on the show. And this is my extra special pitch. Yes, 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 We yes. want to hear your etiquette salutes for the new year. Yes, so yes. please <laughs> fill up our roster, fill up our roles. We want to hear those etiquette salutes. Thank you so much. Please flood my inbox. <laughs> What do you think? 
It's now time for the feedback section of our show, a section that we are so happy to have added in. I don't know if you guys know this, but Dan and I just spent the entire weekend loading our show archive into our new space, and um, it was a lot of tedious work. But what it did do was reconnect us to those first 100 episodes that we hadn't heard in a while, and I loved coming to the point where feedback all of a sudden became a section and it became a priority. And my goodness, it makes the show so much better. So thank you so much. We really appreciate hearing your perspective on the advice that we give as well as just what's going on in the world. So if you're wondering what happened to the listener who wrote in with a question about how her plans for a vegan wedding were creating tension with her mother, who wanted to have a carving station at the reception as well for the meat eater guest, well, we heard from Diana and Diana has a good report. I shared your answer with my mom, Diana writes, and she agreed that her number one worry was that people would find the menu bland. She also agreed that so long as we can find dishes that are satisfying and tasty, we do not need to have a carving station. Thank you again for your input and well wishes. We are very excited. Diana. Oh, Diana, I'm so glad. It's amazing how when you find out where someone's coming from and what their concern is, you can then address that concern rather than kind of the the other thing that isn't quite as making as much sense to you. It's it's amazing when you get at the root of the problem how you can solve the problem. Well, Diana, we wish you the best and uh, a very tasty wedding. We got great follow-up advice from our listener, Ilana, on re-gifting and how or what to order at a business luncheon. Ilana says that if you know the restaurant you're going to, check online for their menu and maybe decide in advance what you might order. I'm going to add an extra. You can also just have a couple dishes in mind and then see what the rest of the table is doing. Or you can also call ahead if you have dietary restrictions. And I love that because it's about planning. It's about preparation. It's about knowing yourself, knowing the situation you're going to walk into. That's what manners are all about. Expectations. As for regifting, Ilana thought of Dan and his impending parenthood. Just so you know, at the time we are recording this show, we are like on baby watch. Every time his phone rings, I jump. <laughs> um, but, but Ilana was thinking of Dan and his impending parenthood and writes, I received a gift at my baby shower that was so impractical. A white snowsuit that was adorable but would easily show every spill and was very complicated to get a baby in and out of. It was given by a friend who had no kids and no experience bundling them up to go out. I called her after the shower and said that it was so cute, but I was worried about the fit for the baby. I suggested that we go out to lunch and then go back to the store and shop together for something in exchange. Instead of being a rejection of the gift, it became a girl's afternoon out and a mini shopping trip. She was so happy about the plan, and I didn't feel like I was sneaking behind her to exchange it. I continue to love the show. Keep up the good work. I love that idea, and I bet you guys might wind up doing that. I absolutely love that idea. Also, broadly, as a way to handle that regifting or gift exchange, what a nice way to extend and attenuate all those good thoughts and feelings that come around a gift exchange. And yet at the same time, I'm so glad you haven't said, hey, Liz, that gift you got me was so nice. Could we go out to lunch and exchange it? I love her idea, but I'm very glad I didn't hear that about my gift. No, and <laughs> I, I also love the the convenience in today's modern world of the gifts that oh, come I through bet. some of the online registries that really let you just send back and swap and mix and match. This has gotten much, much easier. I think people 
people are also a lot more understanding about that. I think it's just not something we take quite as personally, you know, especially when it comes to babies and those items. They're going to be discarded in a couple months when the baby grows out of them anyway. So I feel like there's less attachment. Maybe for that beautiful quilt that someone said, that's that's a much more sentimental type item, I would assume. But but a snowsuit where the size is such an easy thing to change up and, and have be the change that's needed. Oh, this world of babies that I've entered <laughs> and don't see myself getting out of anytime soon. <laughs> Thank you all so much for the feedback. Please do keep it coming. As Lizzie says, we love to hear what you think. Speaking of baby world, I've carried it into our postscript segment this week, and I'm surprising my cousin Daniel with a uh, a postscript segment straight out of Emily Post's book, Children Are People, which was actually dedicated to our grandfather. Emily really loved children. She really did. And she really respected children, which I thought was one of the more fascinating things for an etiquette expert to do, because so often you think of children should be seen and not heard. Good little girls are quiet and sweet. You know what I mean? Things like that are just so from her era that I would have figured she would have been the same way. And instead, she was very encouraging about children being respected, children being treated like people. So I thought we would see what good old great-great-grandmama has to say. And not surprisingly, I found a passage very early in the book in which Emily, uh, in her very non-minced words, talks about babies and their reactions to the people in their lives. One of the pictures that Emily paints as before she kind of gets into the quote we're about to read is the idea that babies might react really well towards men who she categorizes as being very strong and silent and, and quiet and calming in nature. Whereas, oh, if this were only the I, case. I, I know, right? Exactly. <laughs> and, and Emily knows this too, but she also paints the picture and this is nothing against women broadly. It's much more specific type of woman. The woman who will immediately Immediately reach into a sleeping baby's crib and go, oh my gosh, you cute little, you know, and like be so in their face and waking them up or just coming at them quickly. She describes it as violent. And I think uh, men were probably much less likely to do that back in Emily's day, which is why she sees the difference between the gender. But we decided to focus more on this part of the quote, which um, I give to my cousin as he is about to experience all of this. This is from pages 11 and 12. All too often, these well-intentioned feminine enthusiasts seem to think that because the child neither walks nor talks nor shows great intelligence in his method of inquiry through putting everything in his mouth, he is also insensitive to sight and sound and feeling. The truth is that those who dart at the baby violently and snatch him up in nervously insecure hands terrify him as much as a gigantic jack-in-the-box grimacing at him and shrieking like a steam whistle might do. Anyone who will watch a baby's reaction to the behavior of different people, family as well as visitors, can see how happily he responds to low softness of speech, to quiet sureness of handling. He loves gentle attention. He loves smiles, but not the violence of ear-hurting laughter close to his face. He loves to be whispered to, not shouted at. As for poking him in the stomach or bouncing him savagely up and down, well, how would we like to have a giant do that sort of thing to us? Don't you just love her perspective? <laughs> oh, Emily. <laughs> 
and I want to say, you old softy, you. <laughs> she is a, a truly special and remarkable human in her ability to put herself in other people's shoes, even a, a little newborn, a little infant, a baby that is pre preverbal, not even walking, talking, is still just stuffing things in their mouth all At the random. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it really was her her incredible skill, and it's really fun to see it at work here with kids. Her ability to see things from other people's perspective, to think to herself, even with a little baby in front of her, is this how I would want to be treated? Right. And it really is remarkable how well it works, how it draws her into thinking from my perspective, five generations later, some really appropriate thoughts about good ways to approach little children. It's funny. You and I have actually had this same discussion, but over different things. You, at one point, were thinking of little Raju and how teeny tiny his body is and how giving him, like, a good rub down the way you'd scratch a lab's belly or something was probably too aggressive for this tiny dog. Mm -hmm. And so I noticed you start changing the level of pressure that you use when you pet him or when you hold him, things like that. And I love the idea of Emily not only thinking of a baby as not being developed and therefore not being aware of these shrieking voices or these violent bouncings on the knee. But instead, she's actually thinking, okay, so they might not have vocabulary and they might not be able to grip certain things, but my goodness, they do react to sound and touch and and the vibes around them. And she's actually putting that out there. I love it. I do too. And I'll, I'll, I'll mention because it was sort of fun for me as as you were mentioning Emily and her relationship with children, I was thinking about some of the home videos that your father took off the reel-to-reel and digitized oh, my dad. a few yeah. years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he had found these incredible pictures of Emily playing with her great-grandchildren, mm-hmm. um, our uncles at her house in the vineyard. Yeah. And they've got this big inflatable ball. And she's on the grass, sitting on the grass in the backyard, and the kids are running around and playing and jumping and bouncing off the ball, and she's in a sundress down on the ground, Mm -hmm. and it's footage that we have of her playing and crawling around in the backyard with her great-great-grandkids, totally getting down on their level, interacting with them as little people, playing with them. I think she even gets hit in the face by the ball. Like She, she does. <laughs> and my mother was telling me that Emily didn't call it that, but she believed in floor time yes. with kids, that you wanted to get down on their level and meet them where in the world that they lived in as little people and... I like to hear her writing about what I've seen her doing in those home videos. Thank you for bringing this up, for bringing Emily's approach to kids back into my mind. I had forgotten about this book, so nice find as I <laughs> enter that that world of parenting. I'm, I'm going to go. have to to move it, dust the dust off the archive <laughs> shelf, and move it to the front. So I've got it at hand. <laughs> And finally today, we've come to that wonderful part of our show where it's time to hear a salute from you. And I will give another call out. Please, please, please send us your salutes. Now more than ever, it's important to be highlighting all the good behavior and the good etiquette that we see out in the world. So please send us big or small, whatever you've got, a salute for one, a salute for all. I promise I'll stop I'll stop rhyming. And Dan, we can get to the salute. What have we got today? Well, and, and I'll mention- oh, wait, you got another? Okay, go. It's so easy. Use your phone, your computer, your tablet, anything that you've got to record your voice because we really do love to hear the quality of your voice when you offer these salutes. What's our salute salute today? Well, today's salute comes from a listener who wants to salute Jennifer and Katie, two women I've never met in person but who have had a great impact on my family and a couple thousand other families. These two women founded and run a secret Facebook group about budgeting for families. The current group description below says it all. 
a non-judgmental, encouraging space for folks who want to talk about money, budgeting, and finances. All are welcome. As the group has grown past 2,000 members, Jennifer and Katie have maintained a tone that is helpful and kind. People write in about everything from estate planning to hard money conversations with grandparents to their big dreams for their families. Whether it's paying off 70000 in student debt or saving for a trip around the world, Members frequently comment on how grateful we are to have such a kind, informative, and helpful virtual space in which to gain knowledge and encouragement. And Jennifer and Katie constantly add new features and challenges to keep the members engaged. They do all this on a volunteer basis despite having very busy lives themselves. It's a gift of radical kindness to this community of strangers they've built. These women are amazing. They sincerely deserve your salute. All the best, Whitney. Oh, Whitney, thank you for that salute. I like it because it's a different type of salute where we're really looking at a, a service that some people provide that's really helping thousands of families. So thank you. Thank you for letting us know about that and letting us know about Jennifer and Katie and their wonderful work. And thank you for listening and to everyone who sent us something. You can send your next question, comment, or salute to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. As we've mentioned, you can also record it on a voicemail and email it to us. On Twitter, I'm at Daniel underscore Post. And I'm at Lizzie A. Post. On Facebook, we're Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. And please help us out. If you like the show, subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. Our show is edited by the amazing Chris Albertine. We find that getting along with people is pretty important. Do you think you can do that? Oh, yes, I think I can.